This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 11th, episode 2595, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, horse people. You made it to another week of Horses in the Morning. Yes, Jamie and Glenn are back. Because, let's be honest, what else would they do? But then again, you're back too, so, hmm, well, enjoy the show. Well, good morning. You're getting awful clever with your writing there, Glenn. (laughs) Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for coming back and listening to us today. We really appreciate it. So basically, none of us have anything better to do. This is it. This is all we've got. Hopefully, the people (laughs) listening are doing something better while they're listening. Yeah, well, let's hope so. (laughs) Otherwise, it's pretty sad for all of us. Hey, I uh, got to go over the weekend. Jennifer and I went over the weekend to the World Equestrian Center and got to watch our friend and para rider Charlotte ride in a test over there. Cool. I said, watch the video. It looks delightful and lovely. The place is beautiful. The horse is amazing. Charlotte, look, gr- dude, all I was watching that video and I was like, God, kill for her abs. <laughs> like, abs of steel. The citrot she just does is just amazing it is amazing and you know she has a little bit of adaptive uh technology because she is a para and she's you know she hand, uh she's paralyzed from the waist down but it's not much you know and she, she you would probably not be able to tell unless you saw it close up one of the things that was odd okay so it's a beautiful place it's a world equestrian center and there this was the first time we were there there were two shows going on so there was jumper show and dressage show going on and there were a lot of people around so it was the first time we've seen it with people, a lot of people. And it, it, that was kind of nice, is to see it with actual people around. Everybody in masks and the whole thing. But we they were doing the dressage in the indoor, one of the indoors. And because no spectators are allowed, they have the seats closed off. The bleachers are closed off. Which means that the families and everybody that is there watching have to gather in this tiny little space at the end <laughs> of the bleachers and peek around the corner to be able to see the riders. Which puts everybody crammed together. Yeah. Made no sense. <laughs> the nun, uh, there's so many things that make no sense that are happening in the world. Okay? Let's just be Well, that was one that made real. no sense. So what I had to do is take my phone around the bleachers, hold it up in the air to videotaper. And actually, considering how far I was away and how zoomed in I was, I thought the video came out pretty good. Yeah. But my phone did a great job with it, but... It was uh, it was kind of odd that way, but Charlotte was so excited, and her horse. We've had her on the show uh, before, talking about her new horse, and it is a it is a neat horse. It really, and they have a good it's a good combination. I think they're well. I, we're going to talk with Hope Hand, who is the president of the United States Paris Equestrian Association, here a little bit later in the show to get her annual look at at the year in 2021, and it is Olympic year this year again. So we're going to talk to her about the U.S. Para team, and Charlotte has a chance. So you know, there's a chance Charlotte might even go to Tokyo. 
That's amazing. Let's hope so. And then we have Deanne from Horse Nation. She's going to chat about OTTBs and winter. And we have some equestrian first world problems. Plus, we have some news here in the first half hour. And uh, I'm sure Jamie has some stories coming up as well. Me never. (laughs) All on today's show. But good job, Charlotte. We're proud of you. And uh, I did post that video over in the auditor room for the auditors if if you want to take a look at it. I think most of them have already by this time. My daily winnie includes these, of course. Well, auditors Lynn Popa, who also traveled with us on both cruises. Happy birthday to Lynn. Happy birthday also to auditors Kathy White, Allison Tay, Ty. What do you think TAI is? Ty. Ty. And then also to host of the Dressage Show, Reese Koffler Stanfield. It's her birthday as well. And we want to welcome new auditors Lisa Keeley, Jennifer Taylor, Tabitha Moore, and Alexandra Kerr. And two auditors raised their pledges as well. Cynthia Rowland and Nellie Kennedy raised their Aww. pledges. So thank you to both of them. Welcome to all of you. I got to tell you that it is her birthday. Reese came on the Retired Racehorse Radio oh, really? Show. Yeah. This this episode, the current one that's coming out, I think it just came out. And she was awesome. Like, she... She gave me some training tips as far as like young thoroughbreds and cause she, cause she lives in Kentucky and she may be this fancy Grand Prix rider, but like everybody gets horses off the track in Kentucky and tries to retrain them. And she has a lot of experience and she gave me some really cool exercises. And just this weekend I was telling Abby, I'm like, here's what Reese said to do. You know, like <laughs> we, it's like Reese is, I, I saw her name this morning. I'm like, oh my God, she's just in my brain right now. Well, and she, uh, she trains a lot of eventers. So yeah, so she doesn't only work with dressage riders, but works right. uh, with eventers. So she's used to those thoroughbreds. Now she hates jumping. She will never jump. She'll tell you. Oh, she, she talked has, about that. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> like. She will never do it. She absolutely hates it. Uh, but yeah, so good. I'm glad you got to hang out with Reese for a little bit. She's absolutely lovely. And now it's your turn. <laughs> Well, some of the, we talked about how so many of the things are silly and don't make any sense right now. And and one thing that is a bright spot is, you know, my husband is an airline pilot, right? So there's still planes in the sky, people, people are still flying places and um, not many apparently, because today, Lord willing in the Creek don't rise. Hopefully these flights don't get canceled because there's a hundred open seats for me to go from Dallas to San Diego. On a plane that my husband is flying with my son. Today. Today is the first time Lucas has ever, I've only done it once, um, but it's the first time we're we're ever going to actually fly with Chad. So uh, Lucas and I, right after his school, we're going to fly down to Dallas, meet Chad in Dallas, hop a plane, land in San Diego at 10 p.m. And then the next morning we're flying out, flying back to (laughs) Dallas. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. So you get to stay with them overnight too, I assume. You, yeah, yeah. But th- we picked this one because th- they get to stay at a pretty fancy hotel in San Diego. So okay. I thought, how what cool the is heck? that Why for not? Lucas too? Oh my god, I haven't even told him because I'm so afraid that the flights. Like, yeah. like I said, there's a hundred seats open, and these are the last flights of the day. So the chances of them being canceled, I guess, are probably. I don't know how these things work, but 
Things get canceled. Oh, you mean that so. they'll be canceled because there's not enough people on the plane? Yeah, 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 I would imagine. I don't know for sure. So uh, I'm I'm trying to like not get too excited about it. But my thought is like, okay, does does the when he gets on and starts talking to the plane, is he like, hey, everybody, my whole family's on, my son is here, or will that freak people out? Like they're like, oh my god, the whole family, or would they feel safer because the pilot's family is on the plane? <laughs> I think that's just kind of one of the cute things pilots like to do. I don't know. I don't know. They if would do it on Southwest. I'm not sure about American. Southwest, they would make a big deal about it, and they'd bring you up front, and you'd have to like, you know, show people how to hook up seatbelts. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would do that. <laughs> Southwest, they'd be like, "Can you load the bags?" Yeah. Cool. <laughs> But that, that's going to be our day, potentially. So that's kind of cool. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm really excited to see Lucas, see it through his eyes. You know, like I've seen Chad in an F-16. I've seen him fly a jet. Uh, I mean, it's still super swoony and cool for me. But like to see my son see it is just, it's, I'm pretty, I'm so excited. And, you know, it's too bad it's not like the old days where the captains used to come out and visit with everybody. You know, they used to come back and talk to people. I can't do that anymore. You want to fly the plane, son? Come on up. <laughs> Wings. That and might concern like, people. That might concern. Well, with the one time I did fly with Chad on the airliner, they were getting it was like before the flight started even started boarding, so I got to go on and sit in the cockpit. And he was like, "Hit this button." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> like, hit that button. You can help me. Hit the button. I was like, "I well, I can't. I can't control my finger. I'll probably hit another button, and the things will blow up." Yeah, maybe eject button. You'll be. <laughs> I can't. I don't want to help. I said, "Listen, if you want me to visit, I'm gonna visit. I'm not gonna help." With anything. Now, this Lucas, on the other hand, world. you're going to have to handcuff him because he'll be hitting every button. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, I don't, don't bring us up there. Just We'll wave to you from the back and we'll see you at the end of the flight. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Did they serve drinks? Okay, no. But great. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're serving drinks right now. Are they any of the airlines? I flew. I got bumped up to first class again, you know, as a as a family member of an employee, you know, if you book your seats and they have an extra seat, oh, they'll throw you up in first class. And I went all the way to California and didn't get one cocktail. <laughs> I was like, why do people sit up here then? I don't need leg room. I'm five two for yeah, God's sake. Give me the leg room. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, uh, fancy. I don't get a hot towel. I have a cool story of the week for you, and I also have a loser of the week for you to start off the week. Uh, but first, I wanted to mention that we're doing our first Stable Scoop Equestrian Roundtable. Stable Scoop show's coming back at Wednesday night at 7.30. It's a little different than our other shows because we're doing it as a Facebook and YouTube Live. And then we're also going to put it out as audio on the Stable Scoop feed. But you can join us and join in the conversation in the comments. So Wednesday night at 7.30, it's going to be on the Stable Scoop Facebook page, also on the Horses in the Morning Facebook page, also on our YouTube page. So just search for Horse Radio Network. We're on YouTube and subscribe over there. We have Helena from Stall and Stables going to be one of the panelists. So we, I had to have her because she helped start Stable Scoop. I have Nikki from the Take, a, Take the Reins podcast, also on Horse Radio Network. And I have Auditor Jacqueline Burke joining us. And they get to pick the topics. So they each pick two topics. And this is going to be more serious than some of our other shows. This is a serious panel. It's a star-studded crew. Is there yes. going to be swearing or like your other thing with I Helena? I haven't determined yet. I don't think so because we're going to be Facebook Live. So I, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to do the swearing part. But, I, but it's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be a little different. Some 
something we haven't done before in the Horse Radio Network. So it'll be every two weeks, and it'll be always on the Wednesday night at 7.30. So we hope that you can join us live and join in the conversation. The cool story of the week. Remember we had talked about a couple times how they were using horses and horse blood to uh, develop a serum that would help treat people for COVID. And they were doing that in Argentina and down in South America. Well, now it's been approved. It's called the Hyperimmune Equine Serum. And it's been approved by the National Administration of Drugs, Food, and Technology in Argentina. And they're going to start to ship it out to hospitals this week. And it'll start to be used to treating patients that are more serious with COVID. And what they've done is it's really cool because with horses, they they produce a lot of blood. They don't have to hurt the horses. That's one thing. And the horses produce antibodies faster than other beings, apparently, other other creatures. So they're able to get a lot of blood and multiply that blood and replicate that blood and produce these antigens. Now, to tell you, I don't know exactly how it works, and I don't understand it entirely, but this is what it does do. It decreases the mortality 40%. And it will, uh, and that's in the general population, 45% in the people with severe complications. So it cuts mortality almost in half by using this serum, uh, which is incredible. And it, it actually decreases the amount of people that need to go to the ICU by 24% and decreases the amount of people needing uh, respiratory assistance by 36%. So with the help of horses down there and this technology that we've talked about and they've been working on, it's going to be put into use and it is... it. Uh, to drop mortality 50%, I would say that's a heck of a treatment. Now, it's going to come up here for approval as well, and we'll see how long that takes in the United States. But uh, it was exciting news, I thought. That was a really exciting news. And horses are involved. All yep. right, let's go to our, let's go to this. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. Horse trainer Eric, how do you think we say his name? Galat? Um... Gilio? Yeah, something like that. Gio? Uh, he's actually been a pretty good horse trainer. He's won $13 million over his career from horses he's trained. Uh, but apparently he's also been known to be quite uh, ra- a little bit of a racist and a jerk at times. Well, uh, he, he decided to name a horse in honor of a TVG analyst who is African-American and decided to use a... Uh, did this in a tweet, by the way, he named his new horse a a racist term directed at black people. And I didn't know this racist term. Can we say it or not? Don't you think? I don't know. I've never heard that. Yeah, it was grape soda, which I have never heard as a racist term. But then I looked it up and went, oh, yeah, okay, that's a racist term. Uh, But he apparently knew because he directed it directly at this TVG analyst who apparently doesn't get along with all the time. So it was racist. Well, for that, he's been barred by the New York Racing Association. TVG said they'll never cover cover any of his races ever again. And a bunch of the other racing associations are now barring him. Uh, the cool end to this story is that uh, the horse was claimed in a claimer. And apparently, Lawrence Roman, who claimed the horse, didn't know anything about the controversy when he claimed the horse. But he decided that once he heard about the controversy, he would rename the horse. And this is the cool part of the story. He renamed the horse Respect for All. So I thought that was a cool thing that he did uh, to kind of... uh, 
put a nice note to the story. And so now the horse is going to be named Respect for All, and he's going to donate 10% of his earnings to the Backstretch Employee Service Team at the New York Racing Association. So good for him. So $13 million, okay? When they say that they won $13 million. That's how won. Yeah, his horses won in races. The horses. Yeah. Okay, trainers get 10% of that. Yeah. So 10% of $13 million is, let's see, 100. 1.3 million. 1.3 million. Yeah. Okay, how old is this guy? He looks like he's like maybe 60. Yeah, they said so, he's been training for a long time. So yeah. $1.3 million. And he is 60. Maybe he started training when he was four, 20. That's 40 years. So that's 1,300,000 divided, divided by, 40. by 40. That's $32,000 a year. Yeah, you got to assume there's other income in there somewhere. That's not a lot of money. Okay, so quit telling me, look how much money I've won. Oh, 13 million. Yeah, that's, that's even less. I, I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, but I know that that is not... An, an impressive lifetime amount of races. Well, so. it's going to be less impressive going forward because he's not going to be allowed to race in a lot of different places. Exactly. So uh, I just people be... like that make me sick. And yeah. also, you know well, what That's why I got loser of the week. Math, <laughs> doing math on the air gives me anxiety. Yeah, so I noticed. That's anxiety. why I was trying to help you out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, if you'd have given me a little time, I could have figured that out. Well, let's go. Let's keep in the racing vein and go a little more positive, though. Uh, we all saw Seabiscuit how many times? I've seen it. I think I've seen it three or four times a movie. Great okay. movie. Fun movie. Great, great movie. One of the best horse movies ever made. Yep. Well, and I thought I would give you a little quiz on some Seabiscuit trivia. Okay. So because you should know all these, right? Because we all know everything about Seabiscuit from watching the movie. Okay. So here, well, let's see how you do. So Seabiscuit had a famous grandsire. Who was Seabiscuit's grandsire? Man of War. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. He wa it was Man of War. And did, do you know the little known fact that Seabiscuit's biggest rival was who? Was the um, War Admiral, and War Admiral was the son, so actually he was raising his cousin. That's correct. Look at you. You know this know. stuff very well. I know, but I'm a raising nerd, so I, I, I'm, I, I have, like, historical books on Seabiscuit. Go ahead. Carry on. Then you should do these perfectly. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. What does, where does Seabiscuit's name come from, and what does it mean? I remember his sire was hardtack, and isn't that That's a correct. cracker or something? That's correct. Boy, you are just on fire. So Seabiscuit is out of hardtack, and the dam was swing on. And hardtack is a kind of cracker eaten by sailors in the old days. And they also called them Seabiscuits. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I yep. didn't know they were crackers. or I just knew it was some sort of cracker. And it was awful. But it kept for a long time in the ships in the old days. So that's what they ate was these very hardened kind of nutcrackers like we know them today. <laughs> it was hard. So basically he was named after a disgusting sh a cookie with a long shelf life. Exactly. And hardtack is also what they ate in the Civil War a lot because it could travel and it had a long shelf life, but it was awful. Uh, but yeah. So what was his name in the barn? Uh, the biscuit, wasn't it? That, uh, fans called him the biscuit, but those close to him, he went, had a barn name. Oh, well, tell me. Pappy. They called him Pappy. Pappy. Yeah. Pappy or Happy? Pappy with a P. Oh, with a P. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he also had a companion horse. You were going to know this one. What was the companion horse's name? Pumpkin. Pumpkin. And what color was the pumpkin? 
Pumpkin was a Palomino. Uh, well, you do know this. And why did he have pumpkin? Uh, because he needed a companion. Apparently, he was very nervous. He was a very yes. nervous horse, and he paced his stall, and he became anxious and irritable and was kind of a pain in the ass to be around. And here's a, um, a, a tip on Horsemanship Radio. I was just on the episode this week talking with Monty about... A companion horse that, a companion goat that we had to get a horse that flags up. So anyway, that's all. <laughs> so goats I'm plugging work every companions. show. <laughs> you always hear about that. Uh, goats and minis, that seem to be the two most popular companions. Um, so uh, apparently Seabiscuit and Pumpkin became great friends, right? But did mm-hmm. you know that he had two other unusual friends that used to hang out in the stall with him? I think there was a cat, wasn't there? Nope. There was a dog, a stray dog, dog named dog uh, po- Pocatel. Uh, Pocatel was a stray dog, and he also had a very unusual pet. Uh, actually, Seabiscuit had a pet, and this was his pet. Was it a bird? No, it was a spider monkey named Jojo. Okay, that's ridiculous. And I did, didn't show that in the movie. They should have showed that in the movie. That would have been fun. But yeah, apparently, the Jojo used to hang out in the stall with him all the time. <laughs> he had uh, all these friends. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I've never heard of a spider monkey hanging out with a horse, but I think Scooter would actually like that. Uh, He sired not a great amount of foals, apparently. He wasn't a very prolific sire. He only had about 100 foals. I think he died young, though, didn't he? Yeah, but he had, but he actually they retired him from being a sire, and he went on to be a ranch horse for a. Oh, really? Yeah, he went on to be a ranch horse. He helped uh, cattle and all that kind of stuff, um, and he only had two foals that were moderately successful. That was Sea Sovereign and Sea Swallow, or the okay. two moderately successful ones. Well, uh, breeding of, of was he fifteen hand, uh, crooked legged? You know, <laughs> I was going to ask you how tall he was. Yeah, uh, I think he was like 15 hands. He was only he was 15 little. hands. Yeah, he was tiny. Uh, he only weighed 1,100 pounds. Uh, so I think my I think Scooter weighs about 1,100 pounds. Oh, uh, no, he's not that fat. Uh, but he went on to retire, and he went to this farm, Ridgewood Ranch, and he checked cattle and did some pleasure riding, and he, they also received visitors, and he had over 50,000 visitors while he was at the farm. Oh, wow. <laughs> So there you go. Some other uh, some other things you might not have known about Seabiscuit. I like it. Does it make you want to go watch a movie again? Yes, I'm going to watch it today. <laughs> Once I quit binge watching Bridgerton again with Abby, I had to show her the, the show. And now she's totally in. So we binge watched it yesterday and today. Well, did you hear that the uh, James Harriet All Creatures Great and Small has a new adaptation on Masterpiece on PBS. No. Yes, yeah, started last night. It's a seven-part series based on the books. So, uh, new adaptation. So, I know that a lot of horse people are going to be very excited about that. I Where know... does one find PBS these days? I don't know. <laughs> I've got Netflix and, and HBO apparently... and all this. Some people were finding it on demand, too. So you can just look, look up All Creatures Great and Small. They were finding it on demand as well. I do have YouTube TV, so I'll check it out it on there. It might be on there. Uh, but yeah, Jennifer was all excited. We had to make sure we recorded it. So so that's out as well. And then the new Heartland series apparently started with episode one. That I'm not going to give away any spoilers because I haven't been following Heartland. But uh, all I read was it was a a very emotional episode. Oh, God. <laughs> All I need to do is cry over horses again. <laughs> Are you caught up in Heartland? No, I'm like a season or two back now. I mean, because I quit watching it a couple of years ago when we moved is kind of when. Because we haven't had the same TV system mm. and couldn't get it. And 
didn't I didn't have the updated well, I don't know, blah blah blah. It's a great show. I yeah. loved it. So. Well, apparently the new one was out of that as well. Let's talk about our sponsor, and then we're going to go to our first guest, Hope Han, president of the United States Para Equestrian Association, is going to join us. Millions of Americans do the same thing every January. Sign up for gym memberships and resolve to get fit. Chad. Um, in a few weeks, many of them will have already thrown in a towel. Luckily, it's much easier to, to pump up the performance of your horse. He hasn't thrown in the towel yet, so but. luckily, it's much easier to pump up the performance of your horse. You see, in every cell, your horse relies on glucose to fuel its function and growth. Feeding your horse chromium helps optimize the use of glucose, so your horse has more energy for body upkeep, health, and performance, ultimately resulting in improved overall well-being. But this part is important. Don't just feed any chromium. Give your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium on the market today, Chemtrace Chromium from Chemin. Ask for it by name, otherwise you might not get what you pay for. Learn more about Chemtrace Chromium at Chemin.com slash Chromium EQ. And now coming up is Hope Hand, President of the United States Para-Equestrian Association, for her annual January visit with us. Well, hi, Hope. Thanks for joining us again this year in January, like you do every January. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And it, this seems to be more of a special January, too, in light of um, everything that we've been through. Talk a little before we get to 2021. Let's talk about 2020. Last year when we talked, you were looking forward to the Olympics and we were talking about qualifiers. And this year uh, we're doing the same thing. Um, yes. So <laughs> I assume that uh, that your your team of Paras did get out and show some last year. We had a strong comeback in October. So our reset button started in Tryon and um, went very well. You know, everybody's talking about that silver lining, and uh, I think we found ours. And we um, weathered, you know, the the months off, off, and I did a good job, you know, um, preparing for this comeback. So what's it look like now as far as uh, Olympic qualifiers and all of that? Well, before we get to that, uh, I, I was reading yesterday about Japan and how their cases are rising and, you know, uh, in relation to the Olympics and everything. You, you think it's going to happen no matter what this year they're going to do it? I do think it's going to happen. And, of course, um, we're all looking forward to um, getting the vaccine. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, but, I'll be um, first in line as soon as I'm allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So I feel the same way. And the USOPC is doing a good job keeping us informed. And I believe that that will probably be a motivator to, you know, protect our athletes. Japan, they're also doing a good job that they haven't been as affected as the um, states have as far as the virus goes. And they they're doing a good job controlling everything. I, from what I hear, they're going to have maybe um, minimize the um, uh, spectators, maybe cut it by 50%. But they're working hard to put a lot of um, COVID pre- precautions in line. Do you so think, think they're going to be good. Do you think they'll require the vaccines for the athletes? I don't know if they can require it, but I think it's going to be highly, you know, recommended. Um, uh, I, you know, it's, it's interesting because my daughter's a nurse, and uh, I would have 
thought that that would have been required because they cannot work in the hospital or the OR without having the flu vaccine. But but the uh, COVID vaccine is optional, which really surprises me. Yeah, I was surprised about so, that too. Now, most of the nurse nurses, we have a lot of listeners that are nurses, and most of them I've seen have been getting it, uh, not having any trouble. Right. You know, they haven't, and well, a lot of them have gotten the second yeah. one now and haven't reported anything really. So, uh, so yeah, that's all um, good. <laughs> and I saw the USEF uh, put out a uh, their latest guidance for 2021, really encouraging athletes to get it. I mean, that's basically all that was was a. Uh, Go get your vaccine as soon as you can so we can get back to normal. And they did say that, you know, I think it's going to be probably second half of this year before crowds can come back. Well, Not until fall. So I assume yeah. most of the pairs are heading to Wellington. And we just got to see, I talked about it earlier in the show, we got to see Charlotte ride over the weekend at the World Equestrian Center. But I assume that most of the pairs are heading to Wellington. And that's where the qualifiers will start. Or have we already qualified for Olympics? Yeah. What's the scoop? Um, we qualified for the Olympics, but um, we still have three qualifiers left for those that, you know, want to, you know, put their hat in the ring. So we're excited about that. And uh, like I said, after having a year off, I think um, for the most part, we're in a good position. I think it was a good, good uh, year to have off, frankly. I saw a strong showing in October when they came back. About half the field was there, and we're looking for a big, big show coming the end of the uh, month here in uh, Wellington. So that will be the three international judges. Let's hope that they all get over here without any incident. Uh, We do have a program for the... um, officials that have to fly overseas. So the USOPC is doing a good job making sure that um, we get these um, um, highly um, uh, experienced judges over to um, for these qualifier events. So and then so the the three qualifiers will determine kind of uh, uh, who your runoff contenders are going to be? Yes. And when will the final team be picked? The final team will be picked. Um, the final qualifier will be in June at Tryon, and sometime early July, uh, the team will be selected. I, it always amazes me that it is so late because then you only have a what a couple of weeks before you have to head out. It always just amazes me that that happens in the horse world. But I know why it has to happen, but it's 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 kind of surprising, yeah. you know. <laughs> It is, it's it's stressful. It, it's very stressful for the athletes because we, you know, you're dealing with sponsors and emotions. You know, everybody wants to really make it, and it, it's hard on them. It really is hard on them. Yeah, because it really brings them up to the last minute. I mean, and then and then no, after they're funny. picked, you, they have to hustle. I mean, then it's then it's a lot they, of running around to get everything done. And they do have to hustle. Exactly. For the most part, I mean, I think they have a good idea where they, they they stand. It's really that last position that you're fighting for, and that's where it gets into, you know, it could be anybody. I mean, it's anybody's game right now. 
And Tell how, you the truth. How many teams will go? How many pairs will go for United States for para? We're fortunate um, that we get to have three on a team, just like able body. But we also have a competing individual that can go. So four can go. And the way Body does it, um, it's three with no fourth individual. It's very, very tight and competitive for them. What happens with um, the way they did it for Para was actually you won't know the team riders until you're in Tokyo because everybody rides the individual test first. Okay. So this this is a new format for only um, Paralympic and World Games. So everybody rides the individual first, and then based on the standings, they decide, the chef de keep will decide who will represent the team for the team test. So it's a little bit of a suspense, delay suspense, because anybody can rally for that um, team chance. So then the three move on to the team test on the second uh, competition day. Huh. I, that's interesting. So, I didn't know about that change. Very, yeah, very interesting. And that's to be more in line with what Able Body, what they wanted to do, I think, cut the um, time frame down. And this is all coming from the uh, FEI to streamline the competition and um, build a little bit of suspense, too, I, I think, for the spectators. Well, that's rather neat. than drag it, drag it over, you know, a week, um, it, it um, picks up the pace. And this will and be a it, hell of a flight for these horses, probably the longest one these horses have ever been on. Yeah, definitely. And we don't have a whole lot of time because they're... They're flying in just with, you know, less than a week to get acclimated. And then 48 hours afterwards, they fly home after the competition. Not hanging around, are you? (laughs) Nope. So they're in and out. Well, I'm I'm excited for this this year. I think it's, uh, you know, obviously, you know, people will remember it because it was the postponed Olympics. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. And also it's Tokyo. So that's really cool too. Well, Hope, uh, I want to wrap this up with some names maybe that we should look for in leading up to Tokyo here. Well, I would really like to put um, um, uh, congratulations out to Roxanne Trunnell. Her horse, Dalton, has won horse horse of uh, honors this year. And her horse is in the running for Horse of the Year, which um, we are so thrilled. Roxy's been leading the leaderboard as top rider grade one in the world, which is quite an accomplishment and has been the biggest contributor to keep uh, Team USA ranked first place. Let's, let's hope that we can keep our good fortune running in Tokyo. Let's see what happens. So we definitely want to see how Roxy makes out. And um, we're hoping that she's going to be our team leader. Terrific. Well, congratulations to her. And let's let's keep fingers crossed. 
for horse of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, thank yep. you, Hope. We appreciate it. What's the website, and, or should just people go to the Facebook page? Where should they go to follow? They can go find out more. Uh, you can go to www.uspea.org or go to the Facebook page. Uh, we have a Facebook, U.S. Para Dressage. We have the personal Facebook under Hope Pan. Thanks, Hope. Okay, thanks, Glenn, and you stay well. Are you looking for an affordable saddle for 2021, one that will last a lifetime? Then consider one of the many styles of Wintech saddles. Wintech has always made riding easy and comfortable. They combine world-leading innovations and high-tech materials in lightweight, weatherproof, and easy-care saddles. With the easy-change gullet system, this saddle will fit almost any horse. A saddle so light, tacking up is simply a breeze, and cleaning up after is just a matter of throwing it over a fence and hosing it down. Dressage, jumping, all-purpose, and many more. Check out all the styles at wintechsaddles.us. That's wintechsaddles.us. All right, let me remind you. If you have an equestrian problem, it is a first world problem. That is just the life that we are living, and I have to start out with mine. And I noticed somebody else had a similar type problem with is, you know, all I've done is talk about how great these heated vests are. I should become a brand ambassador for Aurora, O-R-O-R-O. They make heated clothing and the heated vest is simply amazing. I like mine so much that uh, Chad just went on and bought one. And then I had to get Abby one too, because she's like, you know, 95 pounds and dying uh, out in the <laughs> winter. I was like, are you okay? She's like, cold-blooded. <laughs> she's from Arizona and she's 95 pounds and six feet tall. So she's dying. So we got her one, got Chad one. Um, and then, so I'm out riding yesterday. I'm like, I've got my heated vest. I'm so cool. I'm going to get on and ride. And so I got on fine mate, the black horse that's here for training. And I went to get on and I was like, son of a nutcracker. My flak jacket, my cross-country vest, doesn't fit over my heated vest. So <laughs> now what am I going to do? I'm going to heat up the... I, I can't wear it. I, I, you can't. I had to choose. Do I choose warmth or safety? Which did you go with? Warmth? I went with safety, yeah. damn it. But I was so cold. I am not designed for riding in 34 degrees. It's just not a thing. And it was windy and it was awful. And the horse was fairly good considering the wind and the cold. But, oh, my God. What is it about cold wind that just makes them crazy? You need the right to – which company do you have? Which uh, flak jacket do you have? I don't speak – I'm pretty sure it's probably a Chinese company and they don't, they don't speak English. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, <laughs> you could just ask them to put a heater in their flak jacket in the air. Oh, yeah. That's Charles Owen. So I could definitely write to Charles yeah. Owen. Yeah. Tell him right beside the CO2 up. cartridge, put a battery pack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here we're going to start with uh, Patricia had one. She said, we finally got a week coming with temps in the 30s. Wasn't I just complaining about Yeah, you were, and she's happy. Okay. <laughs> she's so excited. But every time I ride, snow is sliding off of the roof. Oh, my God, oh, that is terrifying. It is terrifying for horses and people. <laughs> yeah, for all of us. Um, okay, so Shannon said, I got one. Oh, see, here we go. I got one of those amazing Aurora heated vests for myself for Christmas. But the heated collar, by the way, which is like one of the greatest parts of it because it warms the back of your neck, the heated collar sticks up so much it keeps bumping my ear pods as I'm listening to horses in the morning. 
See, you can't, it's either heat vest or nothing. It's, you can't be safe or entertained. I got a Bluetooth speaker because I can't stand having things in my ears. Cause I, you guys know that I feel like if I have earbuds in or something, somebody's going to come up and murder me and I'm not going to be able to defend myself because so I'm not going to know that somebody's coming. So I can't actually wear earbuds. So I got a big, I like Bluetooth speaker for the barn. <laughs> Problem solved. Uh, Lori <laughs> says, my new lease horse is a big, beautiful gray, but uh, now I have to get the barn at least an hour before my lesson to groom him. And so help me if it's muddy and the water is off because of the freezing temperatures. Well, <laughs> Hillary, I am in the same boat as you. I have now this gray horse. And she went on to say that she's not just going to groom the, the saddle and bridle area because he's so pretty that you want him to like look pretty because you're going to obviously take a picture or a video or something. And so Hillary, I get it. If you figure it out, let me know. So far, I've just got him nose to tail in one of those weather beater blankets that covers his neck and his whole body because it's so cold. So like, that's what I, that's what I had to do. But if you come up with a great way to like get spots off of a horse without using any sort of water, let me know. And that goes for any of you. Um, Ellen says, I just finished having my barn recited, but now I can't decide what color to paint it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that dilemma. Uh, Marielle says, I found an amazing... Jamie went with purple. I think you should consider purple. I did not go with purple, and you did not hear that from me. But you know what? Do what you want. If it's crazy, just What color go did you paint yours? I don't remember. My barn is white with a green roof, oh, and then right. my house is white. And there's like this one little metal part of the roof, and I wanted it to be green like the barn roof so bad. And Chad said no. So guess what? I painted my front door freaking hunter green man so let me let me re <laughs> let me go back in time here and review how you always complained about having to wear white breeches at shows because they get so dirty yet you painted your barn and your house white at a farm I didn't, but the barn's not painted it's that like metal it's morton barns it's like oh, that. it's so exciting it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. so i, I don't have easy to wash, wash off check yeah, yeah. yeah so should it um no, <laughs> sitting in them you know um uh, marielle says i found an amazing instructor to help me get back into jumping but my first lesson isn't until the 23rd <laughs> oh it's like waiting for something i hate waiting uh amy says i can't <laughs> i can't disown my family because like i'm an adult and unlikely to find an adoptive mother that will buy me a pony but my <laughs> sister did give me an hrn jacket for christmas but now i have to find a matching scarf and they're all sold out i want to see i want to see the jacket we need a picture of you and your jacket yes amy we i don't know if too many people that bought the jackets i want to see a picture I love that every first world problem relates to somebody not getting her a pony. It makes me so happy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Jillian says, my stability stirrup leathers are here. My new composite stirrups are here. And my new girth. You know what's not here? My saddle. <laughs> God, a lot of people have had stuff lost. It, that has been an issue. Uh, Alicia says, my veterinarian offered to sell me my her custom storage vet truck for a steal of a price, and it would be great for my healthcare business, but it also would be great for my husband's contractor friends, and like, ugh, they can't decide who gets it. You get oh, it. Oh, you get it. What's, that's not even a decision. What are you even talking about? Terry says it's there's It's got to stay so... in the horse world. It started out there. It's got to stay there. And that, that's, that's what you need to go with is equine karma is all over this thing. Uh, Terry says that great sales on riding gear keep popping up in my inbox, but I don't need anything. <laughs> Can we go back to the vet? Wasn't it a vet truck you said it was first? Yes. Well, how long do you think she's going to be driving this thing around and still finding needles in every nook and cranny? Oh God, I hope they <laughs> a little more responsible. <laughs> 
<laughs> Driving around Dr. Wendy's car, there'd be needles everywhere. Carrie says, <laughs> I was so excited to use my cool new stirrups for my dressage lesson yesterday. But then my trainer took my stirrups away for like the whole lesson. <laughs> Like, yo, I need my turn. No, bring it back. Come on. Uh, Rebecca says, if I, (laughs) two more, this has happened to me and it sucks. If I take a shower in the morning, I have to blow dry my hair before chores. And I hate blow drying my hair. I'm in Wisconsin and it'll freeze. I have had my hair freeze. And that is awful. It froze so bad it broke. Like I, I broke off a piece. That's try, how try much. Try having it a beard in that cold. You just come in with icicles <gasps> all over it. Ew! <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have a beard <laughs> or a wiener. I wouldn't know what to do with either one of those things. Did Chad keep his beard? <laughs> has he kept his beard, or did he has to shave it off for work? He has to shave for work. So he comes home and he just starts growing, and then he shaves for work and leaves. And I'm like, could you? possibly shave while you're here so I can appreciate not poke kiss. like first world problem kissing a man with a beard with in the wintertime with chap lips well sucks. the problem is he never gets a chance to grow it out till it gets soft he's always in the hard phase exactly <laughs> exactly that's what I said I'm like hey I've got chap lips you can't maybe come he's up trying to tell you something Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably. And finally April says oh this is this is what happened in Texas yesterday we got a beautiful cover of snow here in Texas. I mean, it never snows where they got snow. It was snowing south of me and not snowing here. That's how cold it was, though. Um, and she says, but my horses hadn't seen it before, and they wouldn't go out and play in it, so I didn't get any <laughs> pretty horses in the snow pictures. <laughs> I'm not going out there. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> what I never is think that? about horses that have never seen snow before. But you yeah. live in Florida. You don't have to think about snow ever. Yeah, no, but you know, our just all our horses always knew what snow was when we lived up north. You know what was fun was seeing Stan Lee and Baby Zara, like both of them and their first snows when we were here. Like to to see them were actually they playing and having fun. Tried to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and 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 my, the Andalusian Miles is from South Texas, so he went out and he was just like they were all like, <gasps> what? Because they're locked in the barn, and then I opened the barn, and they're like bright light. Ah, what is that? <laughs> but they were pretty good. They had a lot of fun in it. Yeah, cool, very good. Yeah. Well, we're gonna head off next to Deanne from Horse Nation with her weekly visit. You know what? You usually bring the stories, but I wanted to bring a story to you. Um, have you heard of that Facebook page called Shite Eventers Unite? Uh, of course. Okay. Uh, I think my favorite one was posted today. And not that I'm I'm laughing at her situation. What I'm laughing at is how she handled it. So um, obviously, I don't like to say the S word. So I say shite eventers. But there's only one E in between the two. So Deborah posts on Shite Eventers Unite when your S blank 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 husband buys you silk pajamas for Christmas. 69 pounds. Then you discover he spent 700 pounds on jewelry for his mistress. However, all was not lost. So far, the dismantled silk pajamas have proved to be a very successful leather polisher, admittedly <laughs> very essential tail bag, and uh, gets keeps the SHIT off the trail in transit. So um, I have one silk sleeve remaining. Does anyone have any suggestions what I can use it for? <laughs> 
I saw this this morning. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, lemons and a lemonade. They're beautiful silk pajamas, which she literally made into a tail bag. And, and she, you can, there's a photo of her horse's bum, obviously about to get in the trailer with the tail uh, cover. And then the tail bag looks like the leg of the pajamas. Then she's uh, showing herself polishing a saddle with these same gray <laughs> silk pajamas. <laughs> like it just made me happy. I'm going to reserve comment. Oh, I agree. Comment. I thought that um, was just like, I don't know that it's ultimate payback, right? Because like you still got $69 silk pajamas when he bought his Mr. Strulry. But at least there has to be some satisfaction when you like take the tail bag off and you see the horse's poo on it. Well, let's be yes. honest though. Let's look at it the other way. This horsewoman didn't want the jewelry anyway. Who well, knows sure. if it's a horsewoman? The, oh, the mistress that you're talking about her. I don't know. I think the whole idea is I got $69 pajamas yeah. and she got $700 yeah. worth of anything. Yeah. That's so, yeah. um, or just the fact that your husband is, you know, yeah, that too. Has a mistress. <laughs> Let's not overlook that. <laughs> Let's start with that. Uh, anyway. Is there a divorce? I, uh, the divorce papers been filed at this point. I, I, you know, she doesn't get into it. She was just more trying to see what else she could do with the rest of the remaining <laughs> pieces of the pajamas. But I love the fact that that's what she did. She was like, hell hath no fury, like a woman scorn. I'm going to cut up this stuff. And then I'm going to take you for everything up. Um, so and <laughs> what's happening on horse nation? Oh, you know, publishing stories about horses and training and funny things, you know, the usual. <laughs> well, the first article that you had, I get to check that box. And it is why everyone should compete at the thoroughbred makeover at least once because the deadlines are drawing near. Um, and it, it is definitely something that is a one of a kind experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and this, um, this submission was sent to us by, um, someone who obviously has competed Haley Kerstetter. Um, and she's totally smitten with it. And, you know, and I get it, I came away from my 2018 competition year, totally pumped to do it again. I mean, um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, I'm in a boarding situation, so I can't just like collect off-track thoroughbreds, uh -huh. <laughs> um, which is probably better for my bank account in the long run anyway, yeah. right? Um, but no, Jamie totally... has no idea about that. Not, yeah. She doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, no, but it totally is this one-of-a-kind experience, and I think it's the combination of the fact that, like, it really is different than most other horse shows, right? Like, all the disciplines have been adapted to suit the makeover and to suit a green training competition. Um, and it really is, at least in my experience, and for the most part, really just really welcoming and like positive when you're there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's really amazing to see all of these beautiful thoroughbreds that, you know, were less than a year ago, uh, had a published work or a race. I mean, it's really cool to see how much work I would caution everybody that's going to do it. Just know it's going to be twice as hard. It's going to take twice as much work. It's going to take twice as much money and twice as much time as you think it's going to take <laughs> like to get the horse trained and all the things. So go into it with eyes open, knowing that this is, um, I mean, it is a challenge. This is a like lifetime challenge that you will, that, I mean, I poured myself into this challenge that Glenn made me do, um, <laughs> nine months of getting this horse that was 
you know, I would say where a regular horse comes off the track at a zero ready to start, the horse I got was a negative 40. And we had to work (laughs) pretty hard to just get to zero before we could actually start making our way there. So uh, it is, it is definitely rewarding though. I mean, I have those photos in my tack room. I had, um, the show jump photo, the freestyle photo and the cross country photo I had put on like a wood backing and it's hanging in my barn. It's so cool. And I'm so proud of it. Any, but anytime anybody comes in, I'm like, look at my pictures from the makeover. Look what I, did. <laughs> I did that. That's me right there. And, uh, yeah. So I love that. That article is pretty good. Uh, now what is your Thursday video you have? Oh, so this Thursday video, it, um, is a horse running after or near a dog in a pasture. And what amazed me about, I had to rewatch this video numerous times. I watched course, it like 150 times. Right. Cause you're like trying to figure out what happens. And all I can like, what it reminds me of is as a small child, I actually like grew up, well actually not a small child as like a young adult, like my whole young adult life and childhood. Um, I grew up out in like the Sonoran desert in Southern California. Right. And we grew up riding quads and dirt bikes and and things like that. And all I can, all this video makes me think of is when you're like, you're on, like I'm on my little like quad, my little like 120 horsepower and I think I'm flying and I, you know, and you hit a little kicker or jump and you think it's a small one and you hit it at just the wrong angle and it like launches you (laughs) and you go much farther than you expect. And I'm sure many people have done this on their bikes or whatever, right? I've just never seen a horse do this on its own, but it literally looks like this horse like hit, hit a jump on a dirt bike and like underestimated the slope. (laughs) It's just the perfect timing of the horse. Somebody's filming it. And I'm sure Glenn, you've seen this at this point because the horse comes galloping towards the camera and makes a left and runs right up this hill and just gets to the top of the hill. And like the last push with the feet lets off this exuberant buck into the air, but the hill actually stopped right there. And so the horse propelled itself 20 plus feet in the air and then landed. Can I say how lucky the dog was not to get taken out? Oh, for sure. I mean, and like, they're very lucky the horse isn't hurt. Like this could have ended very, very badly. That's what I was going to ask. Do we know if the horse is okay? We got up and ran away. I mean, he did fall down. (laughs) According to like the very, you know, credible sources at Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) they say this horse is fine. And I did search that because I don't like to post it if the horse isn't fine. So I feel like it's one of those situations where like it could have been really bad, but because it's not, it's just like this amazing video. Oh my God. It's so fantastic. You can't watch it once. It's like potato chips. No, I did watch it several times too, because I wanted to, I wanted to see the same thing you did. I, did he expect it to be that far a jump? Because <laughs> he did not no, know. Like, he just was like, Wee! oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm like, literally, I just, that's why it just reminded me of like being on a dirt bike as a kid where you're like, we, I'm going to go over this job. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope I don't die. And now I'm I playing got, Evil I Knievel. Got <laughs> off, I got bucked off a snowmobile doing that same thing. I'm like, cause it's all white. And I was just going up this hill and it turns up, there's like a jump going up the hill, like a bump that I hit. And literally the snowmobile goes flying forward and I just let go and fell off. (laughs) So now finally, this is something that we've been talking about earlier. And I think it's a a great idea and great read, uh, which is things to do when it's just too dang cold. 
Yeah, that's it. I And I like this list because it had, you know, the couple, you know, it had, you can hand walk your horse, you can tack walk it. But, you know, sometimes even that's just not an option. <laughs> you know what I'm getting really good at is number four, um, because my, my tack room is warmer than the rest of my barn. So I'm like, oh, I should organize. I'm going to organize all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been getting good at that, too. The only, I just... I wish it would stay, right? Like, it's like making your bed that, like, you make it and it looks very nice and then the next day it's just ruined again. Oh, yeah. the kitchen and I feel like is I that just... way. Do the dishes in the morning and by by evening it's just covered in dishes again. Right, right. And it's so frustrating. But I feel like, I feel like I've been doing this with my medical locker a lot at the barn because I've been using it a lot. <laughs> so I'll, like, use it and use it and use it and keep throwing stuff back in there. And there will be a point where I, like, can't handle it anymore because I can't find the Elasticon or I can't find... And you know what like, re- really pisses you yet. off about that? Is there's always one girl in every barn that everything is always perfect all the time. Like, she has the same medical locker and uses it as much as you do, but it's always perfect. And that just pisses you off. I'm not yeah. friends with that girl. <laughs> I was going to say, and I don't think that girl actually uses it. <laughs> <laughs> She's borrowing your crap. Uh, yeah. The, the, you know what's funny is I'm trying to develop, and I, I've, I've made two prototypes at this point of things that uh, I, I, we've got round bells out in the pasture. But if you just set them on the ground, it rains and the horses just poop all in it and it becomes like a bed. And then they lose half the hay is just wasted. So then I found one of those like things that lifts it up off the ground. So we put the round bell in that and it eventually just falls all underneath it and they end up walking all over and pooping. So I've created two prototypes at this point. One, it looks like there's a giant king size mattress frame out in my pasture. So we made like a wooden square and it has like, uh, walls on it, like like 12 inch, you know, it, two by 12s like up and then one slides out. And so you put there and then underneath is like a no climb fencing. So the hay actually sits in there and that was a genius, brilliant thing, but it's horribly ugly. So then I bought that other thing and I put all this, um, wire underneath the bottom of it. To, I'm talking with my hands. You can't see, but like to catch the hay. So I put no climb on the bottom of this hay thing and it's working great. However, there's pokey things that stick out of uh, wire. I mean, yeah, and you can't cut them. So they're flush. So you mentioned your, your, your medical locker. Damn it. I used every bit of vet wrap and duct tape <laughs> that I had covering all edges of all the wire chats. Like, are they can't even get to that? I'm like, it doesn't matter. They will find a way to poke their eye out. Oh, they 100% <laughs> will. So all I, now I have to go resupply because I use like seven rolls of duct tape. <laughs> I'm sorry. Seven rolls of, of uh, vet wrap and like three rolls of duct tape. And this thing, my prototype is working. I will say I'm pretty happy about that, but it is uh it's a mess. What on earth would we do were it not for vet wrap, duct tape, and bailing twine? Right. Because this thing is a rainbow of all those things. All the structures of the barn would just fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. If you erased bailing twine from the world, everything. The horse trailers fall apart. The truck would fall (laughs) apart. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Well, what, what, what's coming up for you, for you, Deanne? Um, well, we are, you know, it's funny. So Horse Nation Week, we, you know, we have our kind of consistent weekly posts. So of course that's coming up. We're trying to, in the new year, uh, make sure we bring in more educational and training articles. I felt like at the end of last year, um, we had a lot of fun articles and those had kind of tapered off. So we're ramping those back up. 
So we're going um, from we, the fun to the boring ones now? Is that? Well, no, we're just going to balance them. Oh, okay. <laughs> keep the fun. Keep the fun. Because I, you know, I can't get bored. <laughs> Otherwise, that's bad. And um, yeah, and in general, at, like Nation Media, which is Eventing Nation, Jumper Nation, and Horse Nation, we've got lots of exciting things going on. On. We've got new editors at Eventing Nation and Jumper Nation. Um, we've got lots of fun projects in the pipeline. So excited about that. All right. Well, you can find them all at Horse Nation, Jumper, all the nations. HorseNation.com is where Deanne Hale's from. So thank you so much for being on our show, girl. Sure thing. You guys have a great week. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us on this Monday. We hope you got a little bit of entertainment or something. What did you learn today? You know what? I didn't learn, but I just heard my dogs open the front door. Damn it. Now it's going to start freezing in here. So I got to go down. Uh, what did I learn today? I learned that um, there is an immunotherapy based on equine polyclonal antibodies with great neuralizing capacity. Ew. And we learned lots of things about sea biscuit and para-riding. Yeah, it was just a very educational day. And I learned that our uh, listeners continually have equestrian first world problems. And you have a list or, or a study that we're going to go over post-show, right? Oh, man. I can't wait to bring the. It's a study show for you, Glenn. I'm so excited to bring it to you. Y'all, if you don't listen to the auditor feed, we do a little post-show. Glenn, how can they hear it? Uh, they become an auditor for as little as $3 a month. Go to horseradionetwork.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find the auditor banner there. Also, we do have a Facebook page, and, and Horse Radio Network has a app. So if you want to listen to all the Horse Radio Network shows in its own app, just search for Horse Radio Network in the iOS or Android store. That's it all for right. today. We'll be back tomorrow with... Uh, endurance it'll karen will be here with the endurance episode and then jamie will be back on wednesday hopefully i'll be on san diego tomorrow we'll see everybody have a great one spay neuter and geld by the way hi auditors thanks for listening we're glad you're here thanks for being here thanks for hanging around this long in the show this is one of those like study show, but like really duh, but it's about horses and it's about humans and it's about the differences in men and women. And the title of the article on horse talk is horse compliance affected by the sex of the handler and rider researchers find. Turns out it says women, it seems have the edge over men when it comes to teasing out the social, social confidence of horses among humans, horses handled by males were found to be more difficult to catch and significantly more defensive when approached. And when women went up to them, they were much easier to catch, less defensive, and uh, more just, like, calm. Like, I guess they checked the heart rates. They said they based their, their findings on data supplied for 1,420 horses through the Equine Behavior Assessment, uh, an ongoing global survey of horse owners and caregivers. They asked about demographics and the sex of the handler and whether they've been trained. They asked, like, a million questions. And, uh, yeah, all women had better ex- experiences with horses. Huh. The current study showed differences in ridden and non-ridden horse behavior that were related to the sex of the rider or handler. Now, I you think- read all these numbers and all this stuff, and then it goes to the bottom and says, in all, the responses of 1,361 females and 59 males were explored. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're scientific right there. I don't mean to be like, like again, <laughs> math is not my thing, but that seems like a higher percentage of females versus males. I'm just going to get into the serious argument about, I think it depends on what kind of experience they've had with their first humans that are handling them and all that stuff. And then you threw that out. It's like, I don't even know. We need to go into that now. <laughs> I mean, but it's like, that's the whole thing. It's like, oh gosh, women are so much better with horses. All surveyed in this were women. <laughs> And they're not going to say they. And this is a self survey, so they're 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 saying their own experience with their own horses. They're it's, not going to say I suck and I beat my horses and my horse won't come to me. So they say that it's possible variations in gait may affect the way in which male and female humans approach horses. Bullshit! It is basically the fact <laughs> that it's women talking about. Of course, my horse loves me. Yes. Exactly. Now, there's probably, I think if they could do a study on women, a controlled study with the control group on women and men in equal proportions starting out a horse and then how it affects horses when they later get sold to women and men of the opposite sex, that mm -hmm. could be some, you know, that's something that. No, could, I definitely think horses know, but the, well, I just was but laughing. That's a duh, too, study. because, you know, if you're beaten by a man, they're not going to like men later. Right. Yeah. If they're beaten by women, they're not going to like we've had horses that have been more friendly to me than Jennifer. And that's probably because I had a bad experience with a woman earlier. Yeah. You know, I just think that's what it. They, they checked <laughs> it to see that. Um, they horses... published this, Jamie. They published this. Yes, they did. Um, <laughs> horses ridden by males. Were, which one were men or women riders? The horses were less likely or more likely to pull on the reins or toss their head. Well, guess what? It's possible that male humans often being physical, physically stronger than female counterparts exert greater tension with rein use. No, really? <laughs> oh God. You know what? My husband rode my horse one time and my horse threw his head. So I got to write that down. Yep. I don't know. It just seems like I mean, there's this is like a huge article and a really big study talking about the final line in it, final sentence is equine welfare and rider safety can be improved by taking the sex and gender of humans into consideration when seeking to evaluate the origins of equine behavior. Oh, God, I want to hear Monty talk about this study. Oh, God. <laughs> so, so, how about you know we take what? into consideration what kind of person, male or female, and how they act around their horse? Yeah. Well, I just think the last line, the reason I thought it was so strange was equine welfare and rider safety can improve, be improved by taking the sex and gender of humans into consideration. That means no men, yeah. no men are allowed because own that ever again. will not help the uh, equine welfare on my farm. The impact of sex of handlers and riders on the reported social confidence, compliance, and sensitivity of horses in their care. First of all, Shut can we get more big words in one sentence? Just <laughs> Just to impress. <laughs> I wish they had comments like people, you could see people's comments under this because this is such bullshit. Like, again. Well, I love that they didn't put that that was a thousand women and 50 men in the front of the article, did they? That was later. No, on. No, 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 no. You had to, you had to read down to find that. Because if you're just reading the, the title of the if article. If you're reading this as a woman, you're going, yes, I knew this. <laughs> I knew it. And the first line is women have the edge over men. You know. Um, <laughs> Talk about clickbait. Right there. That's totally. clickbait right there. That is clickbait. So, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs>
I thought you'd find that entertaining. Yeah. Study show. You paid for this. You lost money. Did they have a picture of Valerie Bertinelli in a bikini? Because that would just add to the clickbait, right? You uh, know what the picture is? If you click on the article, it's, it's the the tiny picture is a woman with a whip, and then the other picture is a horse jumping, and it's a close up of the guy without a helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that Horse Talk printed that one. Yeah. Because they're usually they, better about that stuff. Because that was probably off know. a press release. I'm surprised that they printed it. Yeah, I probably have the press release in my inbox somewhere. Now, I don't hang around cowboys, so I've always been in the English world. But I have probably seen more women be abusive to horses or, at shows and things than men. But then there's not a lot of men. So there, my study could be, <laughs> I have found in my lifetime as a horse husband, watching uh, hundreds of shows, women to be more abusive. And then in the last line of the article, I'll put, but 95% of the competitors were women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because I... I... Yeah, I think that women get a little too emotional. You know what I find with the racehorses, and this is just me with having the experience that I've had, is that the all the horses that come to me that are big are all, they have a lot of fear. Which goes to show you that I think because of their size, they're treated more harshly because the handler is afraid of them. Right. And like, like super head shy or like whatever. And they're all just big, gentle puppies, you know, but like they're terrified to be hit. And I've, I've realized that the smaller ones, the smaller racehorses that come are all a little bit calmer and like less afraid because nobody that handled them was mean to them because they weren't afraid of them. Yeah. So you, what you're saying is they're just mean to them from the start because they think they have to be. Because they, because they're afraid of them. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, I got to get him before he gets me. Right. You know. Show them who's boss. Well, guys, how many times have we heard that in the horse world? <laughs> oh, no, no. In the past. You got to show him his boss. <clears throat> yeah. Obviously. Obviously. You got to hit him before they hit you. Okay, and for new auditors uh, uh, and new listeners to Jamie, that's not. That's, yeah, I don't think she's being very is. sarcastic. There, I actually said that. <laughs> that uh, uh, no, I'm a certified Monty Roberts instructor, which yeah. means we don't use any violence <laughs> or force. It's just the opposite. All right, thanks everybody. Hey, we hope that you auditors join us. I will be playing the Stable Scoop Round Table Table Round Table uh, Wednesday night in the auditor room. This is an experiment too for us. You know, podcasting is changing, and a lot of things are changing, and one of the things that's changing is a lot more people are doing their podcast video live and then putting out the audio. So this is going to be an experiment for us to see how this goes and to see whether it affects numbers at all or whether there's any advantage to it uh, for the future as we develop new shows. So it's, it's going to be, this is an experiment for us. Love it. So we'll see how many people show up live and watch it live and join in the conversation. And and then we're also going to see if maybe we can, and then in the future, allow a way for people to get in and actually join in the conversation. Uh, so we'll play with that a little bit, too, in this roundtable show. On that note, let's call it a day. Thanks, everybody. All right. Peace.